Hello, I'm Maria Titizian. And I'm Rubina Margosian, and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of March 10. In the news, three police officers in Artsakh are killed following an Azerbaijani ambush on their vehicle. In Freedom House's annual Freedom in the World 2023 report, Azerbaijan is designated as one of the worst of the worst countries in the world for political rights and civil liberties, and the U.S. intelligence community warns of Azerbaijan's readiness to use, quote, calibrated military pressure to advance its goals in talks with Armenia. Amid the ongoing humanitarian crisis in Artsakh, three Artsakh police officers were killed and one was wounded by an Azerbaijani ambush on March 5. According to Artsakh's Minister, of Internal Affairs, a group of Artsakh police officers of the Passport and Visa Department were attacked by Azerbaijani soldiers while they were on their way to a shift change near the village of Hinshen and Metzchen. Azerbaijan reported two casualties in that incident, claiming that its soldiers came under fire as they tried to check the police van allegedly smuggling weapons from Armenia. The Artsakh police denied that accusation, saying that the vehicle was transporting only the officers and was traveling in the direction of the Armenian border and not Stepanagert. In its daily communication, this is on March 6, Russia's defense ministry stated that on March 5, in the area of the settlement of Dukanlar, Azerbaijani servicemen fired at a car with law enforcement officers of Nagorno-Karabakh. Azerbaijan's defense ministry lashed out against Russia, accusing them of distorting facts and spreading untruthful information about the March 5 incident. Azerbaijan insisted its allegation that Armenian military formations were transporting illegal military supplies. Azerbaijan claims that Armenia continues to supply weapons, ammunition, and other military means to illegal Armenian armed formations in the Karabakh economic region of Azerbaijan. This is the end of quote. And the Russian peacekeeping forces must completely fulfill the assigned duties in preventing such unacceptable situations. The statement warned against the transportation of, quote, military cargo by Armenia to the territory of Azerbaijan and deployment of Armenian armed forces, military personnel, adding that Armenian troops must be completely withdrawn from the territory of our country. Otherwise, the Azerbaijani side will have to take decisive and necessary measures by using all possibilities in order to disarm and neutralize illegal gunmen, Azerbaijan's Ministry of Defense said. During a Security Council meeting on March 6, Artsakh's president, Aray Kartunyan, announced that the meetings with the Azerbaijani side facilitated by the Russian peacekeeping mission on February 24 and March 1 it was on humanitarian and infrastructural issues, did not yield results. Moreover, Hartunian stated that following those meetings, the Azerbaijani side conveyed through its channels that either Arsakh accept the integration policy or there will be no solution to the existing problems. On the contrary, there will be tougher and more drastic steps. According to Hartunian, Stepanaker did not accept Azerbaijan's ultimatums. The day after the deadly incident, Armenia's Deputy Foreign Minister Vahagia Vorkian and Armenia's representative on international legal issues, Yerisha Giragosyan, briefed heads of diplomatic missions accredited in Armenia and the representatives of international organizations on the details of the March 5 ambush by Azerbaijani forces in Nagorno-Karabakh. Gevorkian said the ambush was pre-planned by Azerbaijan and was carried out against a non-military target. Giragosyan noted that only targeted assessments and clear actions by the international community can help restrain Azerbaijan's aggressive policy and support efforts to establish 
establish stability and lasting peace in the region. On March 6, the EU External Action Service issued a statement regarding the deadly incident on the Gharapakh line of contact, deploring the outbreak of violence on the Gharapakh line of contact, which led to at least five deaths. This is a direct quote from there. The circumstances surrounding this deadly incident need to be fully investigated. We urge all stakeholders to show restraint in order to prevent any further actions which could further undermine regional stability and threaten the peace process, the statement reads. The Foreign Ministry of France announced that it deplores the casualties caused by this serious incident in which a vehicle carrying police officers traveling near the Lachin Corridor was targeted by Azerbaijani forces in the area under the responsibility of Russian peacekeeping forces. It is important that all the light be shed on the facts. We also call for strict respect for the ceasefire, said the statement. Russia's foreign ministry also issued a statement regarding the attack on the police officers, expressing serious concern at the escalation of tension in the zone of the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict. Moscow urged the parties to exercise restraint and take steps to de-escalate the situation, calling on the sides to strictly comply with the provisions of the November 9 trilateral statement on a complete ceasefire and cessation of all military actions in Nagorno-Karabakh. This is in an area under Russian supervision, and if, if anyone was able to oversee the situation and them. prevent mm-hmm. the the incident would be the Russians. Well, on March 6, in a press briefing, U.S. State Department spokesperson Ned Price said that the United States is following reports of a shooting incident on March 5 inside Nagorno-Karabakh, which killed five individuals. He added that there can be no military solution to the conflict and the use of force to resolve disputes is never acceptable. The only way to sustain peace is at the negotiating table and the use of force undermines negotiations, he said. During the weekly cabinet meeting, Prime Minister Nigol Pashinya spoke about the March 5 Azerbaijani ambush and said that with Azerbaijan's blockade of the Lachin Corridor now in its third month, This incident is an indication of a new escalation of the situation in Artsakh. According to Pashinyan, Azerbaijan is pursuing multiple objectives with the March 5 attack. The first is aborting further negotiations with the representatives of Nagorno-Karabakh and creating the necessary background for a new military provocation. Baku's second goal, according to Pashinyan, is to create false evidence that weapons and ammunition are being transported from Armenia to Nagorno-Karabakh. Pashinyan went on to say that this is important for Azerbaijan in light of the February 22 ICJ, the International Court of Justice's ruling when the court unequivocally rejected Baku's request to indicate a provisional measure against Armenia by which Azerbaijan accused Armenia of placing landmines. With that rejection, the groundless accusations against Armenia about mines collapsed. Thus, Azerbaijan tried to present the incident of March 5 as proof of the transfer of weapons and ammunition from Armenia to Nagorno-Karabakh, Pashinyan said. Armenia's Prime Minister also said that Azerbaijan's next goal is to use terrorism to create new narratives which would conceal an important fact that Baku is openly refusing to fulfill the decision of the world's highest courts regarding the opening of the Lachin Corridor, referring to the recent decision of the International Court of Justice. Pashinyan noted that considering all these facts, it has become of utmost urgency to send an international fact-finding mission to Nagorno-Karabakh and the Lachin Corridor to prevent a new aggression by Azerbaijan.
Azerbaijan and its obvious preparations to subject the people of Nagorno-Karabakh to ethnic cleansing and genocide. On March 7, Armenia's defense ministry denied Azerbaijani accusations, claiming that a military convoy of the Armenian armed forces accompanied by the Russian peacekeepers passed along the Stepanakert Ghaibalish and Lisagor Road. On March 8, Armenia's foreign ministry stated that with such scandalous announcements, Azerbaijan is trying to divert the attention of the international community from the, quote, terrorist act carried out by Azerbaijani forces on March 5, from the fact that Baku is not implementing the legally binding decision of the ICJ and the fact of not fulfilling its international obligations on the Lachin Corridor undertaken by the tripartite statement of November 9, 2020. On March 7, the EU delegation to the UN in Geneva stated that the European Union remains concerned that the continuing disruption to freedom of movement through the Lachin Corridor is affecting human rights in Nagorno-Karabakh, including rights to health, education and food. The EU called on the Azerbaijani authorities and all responsible to guarantee freedom and security of movement along the corridor in line with the statement of November 9 and to abide by the order of the ICJ. The EU also urged Azerbaijan and Armenia to continue to engage in dialogue, including at the leaders' level. We look forward to the continuation of Charles Michel's facilitated peace process. Today, newly appointed U.S. Ambassador to Armenia, Kristina Kivien, traveled to the entrance of the Lachin Corridor, which has been closed to regular traffic. Sunik Governor Robert Hugasian briefed the ambassador on the effects of the ongoing Lachin Corridor blockade, including the impact on hundreds of separated families. The ambassador reiterated Washington's call to reopen the Lachin Corridor immediately. She also met with the head of the European Union mission in Armenia, Marcus Ritter. I reiterated strong U.S. support for the EU mission, Kvien tweeted. The situation has also escalated on the Armenia-Azerbaijan border this week. Yesterday, Armenia's defense ministry reported that Azerbaijani armed forces opened fire from different caliber firearms in the direction of Armenian combat positions located near the village of Verin Shorja in the Gerarkunik region. There are no casualties from the Armenian side. And also this week, Azerbaijan's defense ministry accused Armenia and Artsakh forces on several occasions of violating the ceasefire regime, which both yet and denied. This week, newly appointed U.S. Senior Advisor for Caucasus Negotiations and OSC Minsk Group Co-Chair Luis Bono was in Yerevan, where he met with Prime Minister Pashinyan, Deputy Foreign Minister Vahe Gevorkian, and Security Council Secretary Armen Grigorian. The recent events and humanitarian crisis in Nagorno-Karabakh and the normalization of relations between Armenia and Azerbaijan relations were discussed during the meetings. According to the U.S. Embassy in Yerevan, Bono reiterated the readiness of the U.S. to engage bilaterally, multilaterally, and with like-minded partners to help Armenia and Azerbaijan achieve a long-term comprehensive peace. He underscored the need for free and open commercial and private transit through the Lachin Corridor. While in Yerevan, Bono told RFERL's Armenian service that the U.S. is not considering imposing sanctions on Azerbaijan over the blockade of the corridor. This is not a time for sanctions, the American envoy said, adding that he is in the region to work with both parties to lead them toward peace. Sanctions would be counterproductive. It's not even under consideration at this point, he said. Asked whether Washington would also arrange contacts between Baku and Stepanakert, Bono said, Our role in this process is not to serve as a mediator. We are not here to impose language and conditions on any of the parties. What we are trying to do is to facilitate peace. What I mean by this is that we want the parties to develop the language, the conditions, and to accept them together. 
together. They need to work this out among themselves. He also noted that Artsakh should be part of the Armenian-Azerbaijani peace process. In order to have a peace agreement that is going to be sustainable, durable, and balanced, it has to include Nagorno-Karabakh, and we are committed to seeing this through, he said. We recognize the importance of that. Before arriving in Yerevan, Bono was in Baku, where he met President Ilham Aliyev. French OSCE Men's Group co-chair Bryce Roquefoy was also in Yerevan this week and held meetings with Prime Minister Pashinyan, Foreign Minister Gevorkian, and Secretary of the Security Council Armen Grigorian during his meeting with Bryce, Prime Minister Nigol Pashinyan spoke about the recent events in Artsakh, the Armenian-Azerbaijan peace talks, and the activity of the EU civilian mission in Armenia were also discussed. This week, EU Special Representative to the South Caucasus, Toivo Klar, was in Baku, where he met Azerbaijan's president. While uh, in Azerbaijan, Klar also gave an interview to Azerbaijani APA news agency, touching on Armenian-Azerbaijani relations and Nagorno-Karabakh. And speaking about the situation in the Lachin Corridor with the Azerbaijani media outlet, the European Envoy said that the idea that there should be transparency about what is being transported on the Lachin Corridor is legitimate because we do not want the Lachin Corridor to be used for any shipment of goods that would increase tensions or be used for any military or sort of illicit purposes, he noted. Clara added that the manner in which this transparency is achieved is subject to discussions and negotiations. I think there are several ways of doing that, he said, and I believe some of these have been discussed in the past, like, for instance, Russians having some additional equipment on the checkpoint to be able to better inspect what is going in and what is going out. Speaking about the Lachin Corridor again and the so-called Zangezur Corridor, Clara stated that the Armenian view that these are two separate issues is true. One is the Lachin Road, which is covered in one point of the November 2020 statement, and then there is the connection between Azerbaijan and Nakhichevan, which is covered in another point of the 2020 statement, he said, adding that from that point of view, these are treated in different areas of the statement, but in the end, it is a question of discussion and negotiation but he uh, fails to mention that one is called a corridor and the other one is called a transportation route. Clark went on to say that while it is legitimate to have transparency, it is also important uh, to have for the Armenian inhabitants of Nagorno-Karabakh a sense of security for them to be able to move back and forth. And in the present circumstances, whatever the facts about goods being brought in or not, it is certainly not the same level as it was in November 2022, and we believe that we have to return to that kind of movement that we had before the protesters arrived on the road. He's referring to before Azerbaijan blocked the corridor. Speaking about the Armenia-Azerbaijan normalization processes, Russia's foreign ministry representative, Maria Zakharova, there's no week without mentioning her, stated during a briefing yesterday that the de-escalation of the current situation would be facilitated facilitated by official Yerevan's active participation in the search for mutually acceptable solutions. Yeah, I love the way they frame it, right? Yeah. Well, the foreign ministers of Armenia, Azerbaijan, and Russia were set to meet back in December 2022, but Yerevan canceled its participation following the blockade of the Lachin Quarter, which seems logical to me, but... Perhaps not, I don't know. Since then, Moscow has announced several times that it is ready to facilitate another meeting and is waiting for Yerevan's consent. And they're mentioning this cancellation several times now, like Mm -hmm. repeatedly week after Mm -hmm. week. I think they're having a hard time accepting accepting the fact that Yerevan actually said no. 
Well, uh, the 2023 annual threat assessment of the U.S. intelligence community dated February 6, but released on March 8, included the Armenian-Azerbaijani conflict. The report states that relations between Armenia and Azerbaijan are likely to remain tense and occasionally volatile in the absence of a peace treaty given the proximity of military forces at the interstate border, the lack of a ceasefire enforcement mechanism, and Azerbaijan's readiness to use calibrate military pressure to advance its goals in the talks with Armenia. The continued presence of military forces in close proximity along the delimited border elevates the risk of armed confrontation between Armenia and Azerbaijan, although such confrontations are likely to be limited in duration and intensity. The report goes on to say that since May 2021, military clashes have occurred regularly at the interstate border and around the Nagorno-Karabakh region. The most intense flare-up took place in September 2022 when Azerbaijani forces, as we know, launched a coordinated attack at multiple locations along the Armenia-Azerbaijan state border, seizing some Armenian territory, um, about 150 square kilometers in fact, and resulting in nearly 300 military deaths. Peace talks have made some progress, but the most challenging issues related to state borders and the future of Nagorno-Karabakh are far from being resolved. Uh, this is according to that report. Last week, we reported that Foreign Minister Arad Mirzoyan was in India to participate in the Raisina Dialogue Geoeconomics Conference. On the sidelines of the conference, Mirzoyan met his Indian counterpart during the weekend. The foreign ministers commended the dynamics of deepening the political dialogue between Armenia and India in this regard, highlighting the role of high-level visits and regular contacts on different platforms. They discussed several areas of the bilateral agenda, touching upon the activation of trade and economic cooperation and business ties, as well as the development of relations in the fields of high technologies, education, culture, tourism, and others. Minister Mirzoyan briefed his counterpart on the recent developments in the normalization process of Armenia-Azerbaijan relations and the ongoing blockade. Of this week, Minister Mirzayan was in Egypt to participate in the session of the Ministerial Council of the League of Arab States. In Cairo, Mirzayan met the Secretary General of the League of Arab States. The sides noted that relations between Armenia and the Arab nations are based on centuries-old friendship and mutual respect. In this context, the role of the Armenian communities in Arab countries was also underscored the importance of regular contacts and political dialogue in the framework of the League of Arab States as well as with the member states of the organization uh, was also highlighted. And yesterday, Mirzan also met his Egyptian counterparts. Different topics, including international and regional security issues, were discussed during the meeting. In Cairo, Mirzan also met the foreign ministers of Lebanon and Jordan, as well as other officials from the Arab League states. Over the weekend, the chief of the general staff of Armenia's armed forces, Edward Asaryan, met his Indian counterpart during a two-day visit to India. According to Armenia's defense ministry, a number of issues including regional security, were discussed, as well as possibilities of strengthening cooperation between Armenia and India in the sphere of defense. Within the framework of the working visit, Asirian also attended the discussions on Armenian-Indian defense cooperation and regional security held by the Office of the National Security Council of India, where he presented the security challenges facing Armenia. This week, Freedom House published its annual Freedom in the World 2023 report, giving Armenia a score of 54 out of a possible 100 points. 
uh, 23 out of 40 for political rights and 31 out of 60 for civil liberties. While Armenia maintained its partly free status, it did register a one-point decline compared to last year. The Washington-based watchdog notes that Armenia is still in the midst of a significant transition following mass anti-government protests and elections back in 2018 that forced out an entrenched political elite. It states that the new government has pledged to deal with long-standing problems, including systemic systemic corruption, opaque policymaking, and flawed electoral system, and a weak rule of law. The report notes that Armenia continues to be seriously affected by the 2020 conflict with Azerbaijan, which saw several months of fighting over control of the territory of Nagorno-Karabakh. Among the key developments in Armenia for 2020, Freedom House states the September 13-14 Azerbaijani incursion into Armenia's sovereign territory, noting that official reports included credible evidence that Azerbaijani troops had committed war crimes. This year's report listed Armenia as one of the 10 countries that deserve special scrutiny in 2023, warning that Azerbaijan continues threatening the democratic government in Yerevan and raising the risk for a full-scale war. Among Armenia's regional neighbors, Georgia also maintained its partly free status with 58 points. Meanwhile, the report designated Azerbaijan as one of the 16 worst of the worst countries in the world for political rights and civil liberties. Iran, Russia, and Turkey were rated as not free countries. Interestingly, or as we know, Nagorno-Karabakh, which the nonprofit evaluates as a separately assessed territory, uh, was also classified as partly free at 37 points, uh, having a one-point gain. And this is the territory that the international community thinks will maintain its security and rights under the administration of Baku. It's very, very interesting and very telling. Worst of the worst countries, though. And today, Armenia's foreign ministry announced that Yerevan has refused to take up the prospective position of CSTO Deputy Secretary General. The CSTO Secretary General has three deputies. Uh, the position is filled on a rotation basis among the six member states. And I'm pretty sure we'll hear about this from Maria Zakharova <laughs> next week. Indeed. And this week, speaking of Russia, the head of the Russian news media publishing house, Aram Gabrielyanov, was barred from entering Armenia. Kremlin speaker Dmitry Peskov said that Moscow does not welcome such incidents, stating that Armenia is Russia's partner and ally and the bilateral relations should not be subject to such events. Last year, Russian MP Konstantin Zadulin and editor-in-chief of Russia Today, of the Kremlin's mouthpiece basically, Margarita Simonian, were also banned from entering. Entering Armenia. On March 8, the body of a serviceman was found in a military unit in Armenia. The Defense Ministry reports that an investigation is underway to fully clarify the circumstances of the incident. This week, Armenia's Prosecutor General's Office reported that a major of the Armenian Armed Forces is facing criminal charges for state treason. The major in question was one of the two Armenian soldiers who appeared in Azerbaijani captivity in July 2021 near Sunik's Ishranasar mountain due to bad weather conditions. According to the prosecutor's office. While in Azerbaijani captivity, he signed a contract with Azerbaijani intelligence services to cooperate with them. He was repatriated to Armenia in September 2021, and in December of the same year, he was appointed as head of a military unit's 
operation services. After his appointment, he transferred state secrets to Azerbaijan in return receiving 20,000 U.S. dollars. On March 7, a bus transporting employees of the prime minister's staff collided with another car in Yerevan. 14 people were hospitalized. An investigation has been launched to clarify the circumstances of that accident. And today, a bus fell into a gorge in Armenia's unique region. 24 people were hospitalized as a result of that accident. One of them uh, died. And this just speaks to the problem of traffic accidents in Armenia in general. Lack of So many levels from the state the buses are in or a yeah. lot of the vehicles, the way people drive. And the roads. And, and, the, and pedestrians not and following, uh, you know, street regulations. It's just, uh, anyway. Yeah, the Sunik incident, uh, it was like it had children. There were school, school children. We don't have a lot of information because it just, it just happened, happened today. Just, mm-hmm. The Union of European Football Associations decided that Turkish fans will not attend the Armenia-Turkey football match of the qualifying tournament for the 2024 European Championship on March 25 out of security concerns. Armenian fans will also be barred from the second Euro 2024 qualifier between the two teams, which will take place in Turkey in September. There is a measles outbreak in Armenia. Armenia's health ministry reports that as of this morning, there are 46 confirmed cases. 15 of them are currently being treated in hospitals. 43 of the patients of the reported cases have not been vaccinated against measles. The health ministry states that vaccines are available in all state clinics and parents should get their children vaccinated if they have not done so previously. And this is part of a global trend of anti-vaxxers. And I know people myself who have decided not to vaccinate their children. And it's interesting, right? 43 of the 46 cases are people. Who I have. wonder how they drive those people with like lack of public responsibility. Right, right, right. right. It's, it's all interconnected. Absolutely. Law enforcement has conducted a search of the office of the deputy mayor of Yerevan, Gevork Simonian, today. This was confirmed by the Yerevan municipality. According to CivilNet, the anti-corruption committee said the search is in relation to a criminal case looking into embezzlement and waste of state-allocated COVID response funds. Before being appointed deputy mayor of Yerevan in 2022, Gevork Simonian was deputy minister of health. Not a lot of good news this week, or any week for that matter, uh, but that was the kind of week we had in Armenia and Artsakh. Thank you for listening. Have a safe and peaceful weekend, and we will return next week. <laughs>